millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast. Um, today I want to talk about the Profumo scandal and what it meant for uh, early 60s Britain and why what is a fairly trivial ministerial indiscretion turns, to, turns out to become the great defining political scandal of the 1960s and also the kind of the, the great um, sex scandal of the modern era. And, you know, what this tells us, not so much about Profumo or Christine Keeler, but about the uh, the climate of Macmillan's Britain by 1963. So the the facts of the case in uh, 1961, John Profumo, Minister for War, not a uh, particularly high up position within the war office, um, but a, uh, a fairly um, respected establishment figure, a man that had a good war career himself, was married to the, uh, the uh, glamorous actress Valerie Hobson and um, was a, uh, not destined perhaps for great office, but was a kind of a, a relied member of the government, trusted member of the government, encounters um, at his uh, friend uh, William Astor's uh, magnificent country home, Cliveden House in Buckinghamshire, a young call girl, Christine Keeler. Um, he, uh, Profumo, initiated the affair. He uh, left a note, passed on a note through uh, Astor to get in touch with her. And um, society, the uh, society osteopath, Stephen Ward, really um, fixed everybody up. He was uh, the kind of the, Christine Keeler, who's her, her patron, um, it was imputed, though there turns out to be less and less evidence for this, it was imputed that he was really her pimp, um, but he denied, and it looks like was right, for, right in denying, uh, obtaining any monies for the liaison. So the affair itself lasted little more than a month. Um, it was, uh, in her words, a screw of convenience, pardon the language, and um, the amount of um, time they spent together 
was relatively slim. I think he um, gave her a number of gifts, perhaps a little bit of money, but really nothing of particular importance. Um, she had been seeing beforehand a Soviet naval attaché uh, in Britain called Eugene Ivanov. Eugene Ivanov was essentially a Soviet spy, and MI5 had their eye on him, hoping that he could be persuaded by Stephen Ward to defect. Um, there was um, no overlap between Christine Keeler, um, with Christine Keeler between Ivanov and um, Perfumo. And the idea that Christine Keeler would be handing on state secrets is uh, is laughable, really. Though this, when the scandal broke, was the line that some of the newspapers took. Um, the uh, r- relationship by uh, 1961, um, later 1961, was an open secret. And after uh, a word with the chief whip, uh, Perfumo uh, quickly abandoned the, uh, the, the liaison and there was this was by no means the only bit of kind of salacious gossip going around Westminster at the time. There were numerous affairs on both Labour and Conservative sides, and the press barons who were so quick to leap on the Profumo scandal were mired in a scandal themselves. Um, the in the early nineteen sixties, the uh, the affair was a, a much guarded secret. And very often, when newspaper editors heard about the private lives of politicians, they took the executive self-censoring decision to uh, to not mention it or to keep it out of the front pages, because these were the people that the likes of Lord Beaverbrook, for example, shared private members' clubs with. Christine Keeler and her friend Mandy Rice Davis both shared some uh, fairly unpalatable company in mixed-in circles um, that... One might describe as criminal the uh, slum landlord, the infamous slum landlord of London, Peter Rackman, was a, uh, a an associate and, and one-time lover of both women. In August 1961, John Profumo uh, broke off the affair, writing a letter to uh, Christine Keeler, starting with the word darling, which uh, was later used to bring Profumo down. Um, Sir Norman Brooke, the Cabinet Secretary, had mentioned to Profumo, without raising the question of the affair, the, um, but implying it strongly, that um, the circles he was travelling, he was moving in, uh, particularly Stephen Ward's circles, were not suitable for a Cabinet Minister, particularly one in his position, and that uh, it couldn't be uh, guaranteed that Ward was entirely trustworthy um, Keeler claims, and I think this is probably nonsense, Keeler claims that Stephen Ward was asking her to obtain nuclear secrets. But S- Stephen Ward was a playboy and an osteopath. He wasn't a spymaster. And the if he was, one can hardly think of a worse choice of spy than uh, Christine Keeler, who was you know, simply a, a good-time girl in 60s London. Um, so that one is probably a figment of her imagination and the kind of thing one sells to the newspapers uh, after the event when you're trying to raise a few quid. The scandal itself only starts to really appear in the gossip columns um, a year later, in about July 1962, by which time uh, Christine Keeler is embarked upon a, uh, a relationship with a, a black jazz singer called Lucky Gordon, um, who she's met in Notting Hill, um, whilst uh, with Stephen Ward trying to score some cannabis. Um, 
And the fact that uh, there was now in the story um, an, a, a black immigrant um, petty criminal, uh, Lucky Gordon had been uh, done for a number of uh, small-time offences, would really uh, pique the interest of the tabloid press, particularly at a time when the when Britain was starting to um, feel the kind of the impact of uh, of immigration from the West Indies in terms of a shift towards uh, anti-immigration movements and um, the later, you know, later as we go to the 1960s, we see sort of like a, a hardening of uh, racist attitudes. Um, so this kind of um, this kind of angle on the story, when it broke, was of uh, you know particular salacious interest to uh, British tabloid readers. The second boyfriend of Keeler's, uh, another um, West Indian sailor, George Edgecombe, um, in a, a violent attack, turned up at the front door and emptied the contents of a revolver into it. And this seems to have kind of pushed her over the edge somewhat. Um, and the uh, she seems to have experienced some kind of uh, stress, some kind of um, traumatic kind of uh, breakdown at this point. And um, in moments of drunken indiscretion uh, around the nightclubs of London, uh, in her role as a kind of a hostess and a poor girl, begins to tell her story and unfortunately starts to tell it to um, a, Labour M- a, for- a former Labour MP who then passes it on to a colleague in the house, thus beginning an investigation. Now the actual kind of tittle-tattle, the who did what to who bit of, of this whole story isn't really the interesting part. The interesting part of the perfume scandal is the context. Now, this was not a spy scandal. You know, despite what anyone might say, it's not a spy scandal. Uh, no secrets were passed, and John Perfumo didn't really actively engage in espionage in any way at all. But nobody did, even though one person involved was a spy. But there had been successive spy scandals, from the blackmailing of the uh, gay British civil servant John Vassell, who was a, a naval attaché in uh, Washington, in, in Moscow in the 1950s, all the way through to the defection of um, Burgess, um, McLean and Philby uh, in the years uh, just in the run-up to the Profumo scandal. The thing about um, the uh, Cambridge spies um, was that there was a strong sense that they had been uh, covered up for their activities had been covered up by their colleagues. Uh, Kim Philby was the head of counterintelligence in MI6 and a uh, a good good former Westminster schoolboy had been um, able to pull the wool over the eyes of his colleagues uh, since uh, the Second World War. However, it took really the FBI a uh, relatively short space of time to point the finger at him. Thus the implication always being that in both MI5 and MI6 there were either A, more Soviet moles, or B, more likely, people who knew full well what was happening and either were using Philby to feed counter uh, duff information to the Soviets or they were simply um, too embarrassed to name Philby, or there was an, an... 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Old school tie loyalty. Um, and the publications like Private Eye went down the final option that really there, there was some kind of uh, establishment elitism bordering on treachery. Now, um, the Macmillan government seemed to be, you know, peculiarly tainted with with this. There was a sense in the early 1960s, um, as we are moving um, towards a kind of a hope, you know, uh, hopefully a, a more egalitarian era, an era of, uh, you know, John Osborne and Alan Silito plays where working, being working class is terribly cool. That the um, there's something deeply corrupt or corrupting or decadent or incompetent about the upper classes. Part of this was really kind of Harold Wilson's spin as they, as um, Labour approached the 1964 general election and, you know, was desperate not to lose a fourth one on the trot. In many ways, though, this decline in deference, really, and this decline in respect for the... Uh, and the automatic right of the upper classes to be seen as uh, heirs and betters was really the result of post-war affluence. And if you go back a few podcasts, I've done a, a whole uh, thing on Macmillan's uh, Never Had It So Good Britain from 1954 onwards. Um, the generation that lived after the war saw an increase in living standards pretty much unprecedented in British history. Uh, certainly, one which I doubt um, in term, in scale and scope that we will we will see. Though we are the kind of inheritors of that, and live even generally nicer standards of living than they did. However, however, it's that it's that increase from uh, the experience of the depression, the experience of wartime um, austerity, 
through to uh, post-war affluence, it, it radically and dramatically changed attitudes, particularly among younger people. One of the uh, defining features of cultural features of the area was the, the growth in satire, um, things like that was the week that was and beyond the fringe um, took made a kind of an industry out of mocking and ridiculing the um, the elites. We have a, this curious Britain where um, the uh, for a decade after the war, well, a decade and a half, we have this wonderful kind of stability um, and this sense that. Um, we have uh, prosperity, a welfare state that's functioning, um, a, a healthy balance of payments. Although, you know, by nineteen sixty-four, that's definitely definitely going for a burden. Um, and unfortunately for Macmillan, this wonderful stability generates the degree, the kind of affluence that creates new attitudes that makes people look to their social airs and betters wearing tweeds and striding the grouse moors and think, well, they're, you know, anachronistic, old-fashioned and we need to get rid of them. Um, Wilson was, you know, if if Wilson had any genius at all, it was being able to position himself um, as the kind of the um, architect of all that is new and modern and um, his his kind of spin machine was really new labour before there was a new labour. Perfumo, of course, denied the affair, and he denied it to the chief whip and then to the prime minister himself. But obviously, when details of the facts of the affair came to light in the press, um, he was forced to issue a retraction and was uh, in front of the house and was publicly shamed. The affair um, caused uh, Ivanov to be recalled back to Moscow uh, in disgrace. The British tabloid press were in, uh, in, went into sort of uh, this kind of frenzy of um, uh, lurid story writing, not just about Profumo, but about the, the rest of the upper class, um, sordid parties where uh, sadomasochistic events involving jars of bees and all sorts of crazy things occurred. And there was a, um, a lurid interest in uh, upper-class decadence for a brief period of time. Um, they, much of it was made up, much of it was nonsense, but um, supposedly, supposedly some of it's true, but, you know, we don't really, uh, don't really need to go down that route, I don't think. The... Um, interesting thing about moral panics however i think is this it's not whether any of it's true i mean that's largely irrelevant it's why people read them it's why people flock to them and i think one of the things about the perfumo scandal is the the degree of moral panic that surrounded it you know a respectable gentleman um, a figure of the establishment had been caught lying to parliament and carrying on with a young girl and there were various press reports, uh, you know, people writing into the newspapers saying, uh, you know, this is, this is outrageous. I mean, a girl of her age. And people looked to their own children, their own teenagers, uh, and um, drew kind of, uh, were, with kind of a sense of concern and anxiety. And of course, we have this huge new generation in the 1960s of young people, the post-war baby boom. So it's hardly surprising that a moral panic kind of develops around youth. And obviously it's not the only moral panic surrounding youth at the time. You know, people are writing the, the Sun and the... Well, not the Sun and the Paper, it's not published yet, but the, the Mirror um, is writing all sorts of lurid stories about mods and rockers smashing up Clacton and 
you know, running amok and, and that kind of thing. So there is, um, within this, um, you know, rather, rather pleasurable period of um, affluence, all sorts of anxieties um, about the conduct of private life, about propriety in political circles, about relationships and sexuality and the uh, vulnerability of youth and all sorts of things, even even espionage, that's a, largely a nonsense, um, exist. People find a lot to be worried about. And really, I think what they're worried about is uh, a thing that they can't put their finger on, a thing that's kind of invisible, that people can't see, but it's there anyway. And they're really worried about the pace of change around them, how Britain is being rapidly transformed over in a short period of time because of the uh, the wealth it is experiencing and what that's doing to it culturally. And one of the reasons why I can be confident about this is because by the end of the 60s and just sort of five or six years later, there's this huge cultural backlash against much of what has been seen as permissive by the 1960s. If, if, the, if there are two bookmarks to the 60s, at one end you've got John Profumo and the other end you've got Mary Whitehouse. And we'll talk about her another time. In the long run, the Profumo scandal didn't do Macmillan's government that much harm. Uh, a series of uh, economic um, e- economic uh, failings in terms of devaluation and stop go, and the inability to uh, get Europe uh, get uh, Britain into Europe because of uh, Charles de Gaulle's veto, are really what um, set the government back and made and uh, made it possible for the government to lose in sixty four. Uh, Macmillan uh, falls ill towards the end of '63 um, with uh, some some manner of uh, gallbladder complaint. I think it was, but uh, I'm not a doctor. Um, and is replaced by Alec Douglas Hume, who is uh, more more Etonian than um, any Tory uh, PM has ever been, and really, um, whilst a pretty competent Prime Minister and a, a pretty well respected guy all round still doesn't fit the bill for um for for the the kind of the uh, the mood of the times and um it may, is easy easy bait for um wilson who uh portrays the party uh, the conservatives as the party of the grouse moors um the perfume scandal was a year later was largely forgotten in electoral terms but it kind of lingers on with us and it lingers on with us i guess in part because it created the the kind of uh, um, underpinnings of the modern tabloid culture, of the modern tabloid sex scandal, which you know people are largely bored and disinterested in now um, because it's all so difficult and so mundane and so uh, so predictable. I mean, who cares really? Anyway, anyway, that brings us to the end of this little uh, little chit chat for today, and um, I've got some interesting stuff to bring up. We've got uh, a couple of and a couple of new titles, um, hopefully coming out by the end of the year. Um, new writer who's uh, coming on board with explaining history, Gina Bolter, uh, will be writing us um, a history of um, China after Mao from nineteen seventy six to uh, the nineteen nineties, which I'm personally really looking forward to to reading. Um, we've got uh, Julia Routledge's uh, The Genocidal Century is uh, just making its way to us very, uh, very soon. And um, we've also got a new title from William, William Sweeney, 
um, looking at the destructive century, looking at warfare and uh, the war industries throughout the 20th century. So I hope to have those with you by Christmas time. Um, also, check out what's happening with the new Explaining History Facebook page. I'm posting really good video on that at the moment, mine and other people's. Um, you can join in the conversation. There's lots and lots of stuff to, to look at and download off there. Um, you might also find the Explaining History video channel. I'm going to put a link underneath this podcast. So get yourself there. I'm putting lots of stuff on there about um, uh, essay skills and that kind of thing. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.